Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Today we're launching into a new series and we're gonna be taking a look at the book of Habakkuk. Come on, let me, I want some honesty in here. Who's never read the book of Habakkuk? I'm sure there's a few. Some of you aren't being honest with me this morning. Some of you probably don't even know where it's at in your Bible. Before we dive into that, though, I do have a question for you. How many of you maybe watching the evening news or maybe you're scrolling through your phone on Facebook, you know, or, you know, checking your news app, whatever it is, on your phone, on your iPad or whatever, and you see all of the corruption, violence, just the depravity of the world that we live in today. How many of you have just ever just gotten frustrated and asked the question, why isn't God doing something? Why is it that the wicked seem to prosper? How have things gotten so bad in our world? How many of all of us that question? And while it may seem that that response at that question is a byproduct of the world that we live in today, Can I be honest with you? Nothing over time has really changed. It's always been this way. The truth is, see, Habakkuk asked these very same questions over 2,500 years ago. And today, so we're gonna kick off this series and we're gonna take a look at the story of Habakkuk. And it's filled with these questions, these really these why God questions that Habakkuk is gonna ask. And these questions, they're aimed at God. He's aiming these questions at God. But there's one question in particular, one question that's gonna drive this entire series. And it's the driving question behind the book of Habakkuk, and it's this. The one thing that Habakkuk wanted to know more than anything is this. Why doesn't God seem fair? Why doesn't God seem fair? In fact, if we were to just jump in to verses two and three of chapter one, Habakkuk asks a version of this question. Look what it says. It says, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? If we were to fast forward from the Old Testament when Habakkuk wrote this to today, those questions might sound a little more like this. God, why, when I've been doing everything that your word says in regards to my finances, I'm in the worst position I've ever been financially. And yet there are people in the world who don't obey you, they don't go to church, and they are blessed financially. Or, God, why is it when other people pray, their, their prayers are answered immediately. But when I pray... You don't do anything at all. God, what's up with all that? Why am I battling depression? Why is my loved one going through this situation or through that situation? Look, I I just want to point something out here. I'm sure there's a few of you in here who have had what you'd maybe consider a rough week, a difficult week, and you feel like you would have the right to ask God why. But really, if anyone in this room has the right to ask those why God questions, I'm gonna be honest, it's gonna be my wife. Hear me on this. From this past Wednesday, 
to this upcoming Wednesday. So in the span of one week, she has four very important people in her life who have had or are going to have surgery. Think about that. Four people, four important people in her life. This last Wednesday, her stepdad, Ed, who's actually in the room with us today, he had prostate surgery. Friday, her best friend, her best friend, who who you all know is our kids pastor at Destiny Church, Pastor Des, she had an invasive hysterectomy this week. And I just want to say, Des, if you're watching online, just know that we are praying for you. We're praying for a speedy recovery. All of us in this room are praying for you. Recover quickly, Pastor Des. Tomorrow, Carrie's mom, Teresa, goes in for heart surgery, a heart ablation to correct an arrhythmia problem. And then later this week, her sister-in-law is going in for a hysterectomy due to her breast cancer. Come on, if anybody's had the right to ask, why is this happening to the people I love? It's Carrie. But can I tell you something? I am so proud of my wife. She has, through all of this, been strong and supportive to everyone through that process. It's incredible to watch her. But these questions, these questions of why doesn't life seem fair? Why is this happening in my life? Why is this happening to my loved ones? These are the questions that Habakkuk asked. And now I want to point out something though about Habakkuk. Habakkuk was very in love with God. He had a very rich faith. He had a close relationship with God. But he, like so many people today, he struggled what was taking place in the world around him. Because see, here's the deal, church. For Habakkuk, the things he saw didn't line up with the things he believed. The things he saw, they just didn't line up. And it was a difficult season for Habakkuk. And I'm sure many of you in this room today or even those watching online, you can relate to that. So what I want to do is jump into the book of Habakkuk and look at some of these questions and deal with this. But before we kind of dive into the book, I want to give you some context, because how many of you know, you've heard me say this before, I like to teach a little bit, but to fully understand scripture, to really understand what it is you're reading, you've got to know the context. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context to who Habakkuk is. And so Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament. But of the 12, Habakkuk is the one we know probably the least about. In fact, we know very little about Habakkuk. About all we know is that he was probably a temple musician and became a priest and then eventually a prophet. And of course, prophets, as you know, they were God's chosen, chosen messengers who would speak to his people on, on his behalf. So God would tell a prophet, in this case, Habakkuk, this is what I want you to tell the people. And then the prophet would go to the people and he would say, thus says the Lord. And then, of course, he would prophesy and then speak to what God had told him about. So Habakkuk was a prophet who wrote this book at around 600 BC. And that's give or take a few years. We don't know the exact date, but we get pretty close just based on the context of the book itself. And so what we do know is that it was a time of violence, corruption, injustice, and ungodliness. It really just ran rampant throughout the nation. I guess in other words, you could say it was a lot like today. Would you agree? It's kind of a description of the world we live in today. There were bad people doing bad things to good people, and let's be honest, sometimes the good people, they just aren't that good, right? 
And so God speaks to, to Habakkuk and he says, these people that I love, they're becoming increasingly wicked. And for your own good, I'm gonna punish you. But listen, but what you need to understand is this. I'm gonna take a far worse people, a people that is much more evil than you, and I'm gonna use them to destroy you. Habakkuk's like, whoa, hold up. That doesn't seem fair. How is that fair? So if you're taking notes, I want you to take note of this because it's kind of important to the story that we're gonna look at. Names in scripture oftentimes have meaning. And the meaning of those names will give us a little more insight to that person we're studying or really just who they are and what we can learn from them. And in the case of Habakkuk, Habakkuk's name means to embrace or to wrestle. To embrace or to wrestle. Now to really get a bigger understanding of the context of the book, there's something I do wanna share with you. I am a movie buff. I love movies. If you know me at all, you know I love movies. In fact, I will oftentimes just in everyday conversation quote a movie. And I love my wife, but I can frustrate her sometimes because I'll just throw out a movie quote and she hasn't maybe seen the movie. And for her, it doesn't make sense. But to me, it did. And she's like, that didn't even make any sense. What are you doing? <laughs> but I love movies. I love to quote movies. I'll even throw them into my sermon every once in a while. I love movies. But as I think about that, what is it about movies that we love? For those of us who love movies, what is it that we love? I mean, let's think about it. Movies are predictable. We know how they're going to end. Maybe minus a few small details, we have a pretty good idea how they're going to end. They're predictable. Right? They're predictable. The guy gets the girl, the kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. My wife got that movie quote. Wasn't a Star Wars quote, but I did reference Star Wars, right? But movies are predictable. Sorry, I couldn't help. Just part of my nature. The guy, right? The guy does get the girl. The heroes are supposed to win. The protagonist story always ends up good, right? That's the way movies work. So why is it that we enjoy watching movies? Well, I think the reason we get so engrossed into these stories is that even though we know what happens, we get caught up in the, how do we get there? Right? Thanos has all six infinity stones. He is the strongest being in the entire universe with a snap of his fingers. He can wipe out half of all living creatures, right? How are the Avengers gonna win? How are they gonna win this fight? They have to win, they're the Avengers. How do we get there? That's the part of the story we get caught up in, right? So how do we get from certain doom to coming out on top? That's what we get caught up in because we know good always wins. Sitcoms, similar, right? They're just these 30-minute shows. There's some humor, there's some tension, but at the end of that 30 minutes, everything's wrapped up with a nice little bow and it's nice and neat and everything is good, Right? Can I give you a heads up? Habakkuk is not that kind of story. In fact, it's quite the opposite. There's tension, there's drama, and there's unanswered questions. If I can be honest, that's gonna be a lot more like real life, right? So with that understanding and context of Habakkuk, let's dive in. Before we do though, I wanna pray. God, we are so thankful for your word. And God, I know there's a lot of people in here 
with unanswered questions, with things they're wrestling with. And so God, as we dive into this book and we dive into this series today, my prayer is that you just begin to work on our hearts, reveal some things to us, and while it may not always look like what we think it's gonna look like, God, we can know that we can always trust you no matter what. Give me clarity as I deliver your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Habakkuk, chapter one, verse one. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. Okay, so what is an oracle? I think sometimes we'll hear a word and we're like, I got a general idea what that word means, but we maybe don't fully understand it. What does the word oracle mean? It means an utterance, a doom, or a burden. See, the Lord has given this prophet this burdensome message, a dooming message that is gonna cause Habakkuk to say, you know what, God? I do not like this. The people aren't gonna like this. I honestly just don't see the good in it. And he's actually gonna push back just a little bit. Check it out, verses three, four, and five. Look what he says. He says, God, why do you make me look at injustice? He says, why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. In other words, today, it might sound a little bit like, God, why did you let that guy who's got four DUIs back on the road and now his innocent father and his child are dead? Or God, my wife and I, we have been faithful to you and to each other and been trying for years to get pregnant, but have been unable to, and yet there are people out there living a loose lifestyle and they get pregnant and have an abortion because they don't wanna hold, be held responsible for their actions. God, where are you? How is that fair? What do you have to say for yourself, God? Terrorism, corruption in the workplace, innocent kids getting shot in schools. God, where are you in all of that? As far as I can see, nothing's turning out fair. So if you're taking notes, Habakkuk has three major problems with God. The first one he's saying is, you don't seem to care. You're letting all of those things go on in the world that don't seem fair. God, you must not even care. Second complaint, you aren't doing as much when you could. Now, let's be honest, there's a little bit of respect in this, in this question, right? As if to say, God, I know you could. God, I know you're all powerful. I believe you could. You could do this one thing and it would change everything. God, if I were in your shoes, I'd do it. I don't know why you won't. You don't seem to care. You're not doing as much as you could. And number three, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. In other words, what Habakkuk is saying in all of this is, God, if I were in your shoes, if I were in your shoes, I would do it totally different. Be honest. How many have ever thought that? How many have ever been in that place? I know I have. How many have ever thought that God wasn't fair or that he didn't care? or that I don't like the way you're doing it. But here's another question that that raises. Is it even fair or right or even legal to question God? Yeah. Is God going to punish me or be upset with me if I question him? If I say, God, I don't understand, is it okay? Well, in my opinion, when you look at scripture, it's okay at times to question God. 
In fact, not only is it okay, but listen to me, there are times when questioning God can become a significant part of your faith journey. Read the Psalms. One third of the Psalms are people crying out to God, what's going on here? God, are you going to rescue me? Are you just gonna leave me here forever? Read Job. Read Lamentations. These are very godly people who are crying out, have mercy. God, I thought I did everything you said. What's going on here? See, I think the truth is, a lot of us, we're just afraid. We have fear. We're afraid to take these honest questions to God. And I think, really, that sometimes an important part of our Christian journey would be to just take these honest questions before God. Let me ask you, what do you do when what you see with your eyes is different from what you believe in your heart? You see, this is Habakkuk's foundational challenge. Let's say we're talking about you or me or any other godly person for that matter. Let's just, any, and for a season, God has answered your prayers. You felt him in your life. He was always around, but then one day something happened. You stop feeling him. He stops answering your prayers. And in fact, it almost feels like he's doing the exact opposite of answering your prayers. You prayed for healing and you got sicker. You prayed for your financial situation and it got worse. You prayed for your marriage and it got worse or even ended in divorce. And you're like, God, what is going on here? Where are you? Things are not turning out like I thought they would. And you begin to enter the season, what we would call a crisis of belief. God, I thought you were here. I was trusting you. But now based on what I see, but I think that's it. I think that's part of the equation. So many of us were living by sight. You see, people who are fully dependent on God, they don't live by sight, but they live by their faith in a God who is fully able to deliver them. But so many of us were living by sight. God, what is happening in my life? It's very different than I thought, I would, ha that I thought would happen. God, I'm not even sure what I believe right now. Typically, when this happens, people will go in one of two different directions. The first one is, They'll deny reality. In other words, if the doctor says, I'm sick, I'm not sick. I don't want to have a negative confession in my life. I'm not sick. Or maybe instead of denying reality, we get mad. Right? God, I thought I knew who you were, but apparently you're not. So you know what? Just forget you. You're not doing what I thought you would. You must not be who you say you are. I'm out. And they get mad. Let me ask you, what do you do when what you see is it consistent with what you believe and you're not even sure what you think about God? Well, you can go one of those two ways. You can deny reality or you can get mad. Or you can go the more difficult road and it says, God, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still gonna trust you. God may take you on a journey, and just let me tell you right now, 
It may not get better at first. It may not get better. Things might get worse. They might get more painful. But let me tell you, you may even go through some more faith struggles. But if you hold on to God, if you continue to stick with God, no matter what goes on around you, I can assure you that if you hold on to him, you embrace him, you wrestle. At some point, he's going to take your faith to a place of intimacy, trust, and security that you've never experienced before or even dreamed possible. You see, the people I know that are really, truly intimate with God that have this really close personal relationship with God, they've all gone through the season of doubt, fear, insecurities, and unanswered questions. They've all gone through it. This has happened to me personally. I'll be honest. There was a time when I, as I got out of high school that I began to question everything I believed. I grew up in church, but I kind of began to question everything I believed, literally everything. I wasn't even sure I believed in God anymore. And to be honest, I kind of got to this place where I hated God. I ignored God. I hated scripture. I ignored scripture. But through all of that, God was still doing something in me. And through this series of events, God brought some specific people into my life, and one in particular. One in particular that challenged me to find Jesus for myself. I had grown up being told who Jesus was, and not that it was wrong, but it was this, here's how things are supposed to look, here's how you go to church, this was the check boxes I was supposed to check. And I got to the point where I just kinda like, I'm done with check boxes. And I completely ignored God. But God began to continue to still work in my life and brought certain people into my life. And some of you are in this place right now. You're questioning God. You're in this place and Habakkuk found himself in this exact same place. God, where are you? Why is my world around me collapsing? I've prayed and nothing has happened. The government's crumbling around me. And some of you, a little bit like Habakkuk, you just don't know, believe what, know what you believe right now. God, where are you? And what are you doing? So many of us are in this place. But God responds. But what's interesting is how God responds. Because it wasn't what Habakkuk wanted to hear. In fact, it was quite different from what Habakkuk wanted to hear. Let's look at God's response in verse 5. God says, Habakkuk, you want an answer? Here it is. Verse five, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. He said, look at the nations and watch and be, the Hebrew word is tamah. This is a Hebrew word that means sudden, alarming amazement. It means to be astonished or to marvel. In other words, God is saying, when I tell you this, you're going to be knocked off your feet and you're going to be utterly amazed. Habakkuk's like, all right, this sounds good. Verse six, God says, I'm raising up the Babylonians. <laughs> this is the exact opposite of what if Habakkuk wanted to hear, right? Yeah. Verse five sounded good. Verse six was like, ah, what? You're raising up the, the Babylonians? Because God said, look, I'm going to do something incredible in your days. This sounded like a cause of excitement. But verse 6, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people. 
Listen to how God talks about it. Who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. These people, they're thieves. He said the Babylonians, they are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and they promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards. They're fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen, they come from afar. They fly in like vultures, swooping to devour. They all come bent in violence. In Daniel chapter two, Daniel interprets a dream about a statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has. And that in that interpretation, we find that the Babylonian empire under Nebuchadnezzar ruled the entire world. They had conquered. They had set out to conquer and they had accomplishment, accomplished it. They had succeeded. So Habakkuk is kind of getting some insight to this reign of terror by the Babylonians. And God tells Habakkuk, my people, my chosen people, they're bad. These Babylonians, they're worse. And I know you don't like them. In fact, I'm sure you probably hate them, but guess what? I'm gonna use them to destroy you. And Habakkuk's like, God, that is not fair. Come on, put yourself in that story. Put yourself in this story. You'd be like, that's not right. I'm not that bad. Come on, how many of you ever said that? I don't understand how they're getting blessed. I'm not that bad. I'm better than they are. They're worse than I am. So here's a question. We're in the middle of chapter one. What do you do when you're in the middle of chapter one and you're not sure what you believe? You want to believe, but you've got so many questions. Let's take a look at a story real quick from Mark chapter nine. And these verses aren't going to be on the screen, but you can read them later. I encourage you to read the story. But it's about a father who has a son who's possessed with an evil spirit. And this evil spirit was messing up this boy's life. And so when the father sees Jesus, he's like, Jesus, can you do something about this? And Jesus was like, I can do anything. All things are possible with me. But here's the question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And the father says this, I do believe, sort of. Literally what he says is, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. You see, there was a time when I really did believe, but Jesus, what you don't understand is my son's been hurting. I've been praying for him. I've been praying and I've been fasting. I've taken him to every doctor. I've done everything your word says. And I've been believing, but right now, it's just not that easy. It's just not that easy. Help me overcome my unbelief. So what does Jesus say? He says, I'm gonna do something you're not going to believe. And it's gonna be so amazing that you'll never doubt in this way again. But here's the deal. He wouldn't have got there unless he had gone through this crisis of belief. Hear me on this. I believe that we as believers, we can have simultaneous faith and questions. And this is exactly what Habakkuk and God are gonna wrestle with. So in verses 12 through 14, watch as Habakkuk has these simultaneous faith and questions. Verse 12, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One. And here's a statement of faith. We will not die. It's a statement of faith. 
But then he questions again. He says, oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous? God, I believe, but it's difficult. Some of you, that's where you are. You're in chapter one. You believe, but you're full of questions. So the question is, you're probably looking at me going, well, Anthony, what do I do? If I'm in the middle of chapter one, you embrace him. I'm reminded of the song. Some of you are probably familiar with it. It's called Even If by Mercy Me. The chorus says, I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But listen, but even if you don't, my hope is you alone. Listen, you may wrestle with God and that means, but no matter what is going on, you hold on. Be like Jacob when he wrestled with God all night long. He didn't let go. He held on for dear life. When you're wrestling, don't let go. You may even say, God, I don't understand. What you're doing, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem fair, but don't let go. Embrace him. And no matter what happens, I can't promise you that everything's gonna get better. I can't even promise that you get all your questions answered. But I can promise you this, he'll never let go of you. I saw a thing here a while back on, I think it was Facebook, and it was this story, I don't know the full details, I'm just gonna kinda give you a synopsis of it, but essentially it was a guy telling God, I'm never gonna let go of you, or I'm gonna hold your hand. That's what he says, I'm gonna, God, I'm gonna hold your hand. And God says, no, I'm gonna hold your hand. He's like, what's the difference? He says, well, if you're holding my hand, and things start to go bad, you may let go. God says, if I'm holding your hand, I'll never let go. I'll never let go. And so while I would like to sum all this up today and put a nice little pretty bow on it like a sitcom, right? And give you all the answers and tell you it's all gonna be good. I can't do that today. I can't give you the answers. I can't tell you what the outcome's gonna be. I can't do that today. But what I can do is tell you that sometimes in life, all you can do is embrace him. Let's pray. God, I can just feel your presence in this room. People wrestling, people struggling, people just asking God, why doesn't life seem fair? And yeah, we don't have all the answers today. This is essentially part one of a trilogy. And so God, my prayer is that as we go through this book, that as people begin to wrestle with these questions, that through it all, they would just simply embrace you and continue to come back to see what you have for them. It's an open book today. God, we thank you for the open book because it gives us an opportunity 
to just embrace you and for you to meet us where we are. Jesus, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.